Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. Um, I'm Esty Wicket. I'm joined once again by Luke Perry. Luke, how are you, sir? Yes, Sam. It's it's great to be uh, on on the podcast again. And um, of course, we must talk about the weather to avoid people switching off this podcast for good. And the season has changed. It is now a, um, the deceptive autumn sunshine, as I call it. And I'm looking out the window. It, it, it's all nice and bright. We're walk, walking the dog in it, but you, you do need a coat on now. You need to need to layer up. It's getting to that time of year. We um so we um for obvious reasons didn't do the weather report last week. Um we 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 placed it on hold out of respect for Her Majesty. Um but yes, it, it now appears to be back. Uh I'm joined again by uh Mario. How how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. You know what, Mario? You are the only person who asked a question back to me. And well, I, I, I appreciate I appreciate that. I appreciate that. He doesn't like the weather report though, so well, he's 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 filling the role. He's filling he's filling the void left by left by Michael. Um, but on that, we'll we'll move along, and 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 so this this will be a a, a, a sequel of sorts to last week's um, quite uh, melancholic episode on 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 the Queen's life and death. Um, we will be discussing this week the the new Carolinian age, um, the reign of Charles III. And before we begin, I actually want to um, start with some data here. Um, so I found this graph um, last night, this data last night that that, that shows um, polling of the people in the UK towards Charles as king, and I think it puts to bed some a few narratives that that have emerged since Elizabeth's passing last week. Um, so. Up until he took over as king, his his the question of would Charles be a good king was lingering around the mid thirties mark. It was even among good king, don't know, not good king. And since he has ascended to the throne, that number has jumped up to sixty five, and then seventy one percent of people think he would be a good king. Now, I think that's important because one narrative that I've seen come out of particularly the American press, who just Hold, hold, hold our monarchy in complete contempt. Um, is that you know people in the UK weren't royalists or monarchists; they were queenists, and that once Elizabeth died, that there would be a diminished interest in maintaining the royal family, with the overall aim, seemingly, of the American liberal press to abolish someone else's institution for for no for no reason other other than their own, you know, empty modernity. But I think. It puts that to bed that now Charles is on the throne. Now he is King Charles III. Um, the popularity seems seems to have followed him into the role. Yeah, precisely because well, the the reason why all flags bar one lowered half mast because of the raw with the raw standard is that there is always a monarch on the throne. The moment the Queen passed away, Charles um had to had to step up which he was preparing for for a very long time i mean with, with the queen's advancing age and declining health he sort of became the king regent he was at the last remembrance day he uh, addressed the uh, the house house of lords and the house of the parliament so it is it was only natural for when it was time to become the head of state when he had his speech um on, on television watched by millions the day after and people um of course, now accept and um, are probably now thankful that Charles is the new king and mm. that time must go forward. Mm. I think there's a cohort of people who didn't like Charles for various reasons or perhaps even just 
preferred Elizabeth II. But I think there's a couple of things going on. And the first is that when you assign the symbols to him, the support goes with them. You award the support as you assign the symbols. And secondly, I wonder if those often quite minor complaints then give way to a sort of more important and larger reality. And that as he goes from prince to king, perhaps those old complaints um, don't relate to this new person who has, who has um, you know, got, gone from being an individual to being a symbol, essentially a human symbol. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is what I think people who live in republics don't quite get about the monarchy, that it is almost like a, an emotional limb. Um, as soon as Charles became the king, people just yeah people just accepted it because you know um, it's kind of it's it's been quite heartwarming for people like us where it's been almost like a vindication of it where you know I think it's clear to people like us that monarchy is the most natural form of hierarchy. I mean, it, it pretty much was the first form of hierarchy that ever ever really formed out of you know sophisticated man. Um, it's you know it's. Identical to, to the notion of, of a chief, right? Um, yeah, and at some level, we, we just accept that because you know the the alternative is all 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 of the divisions in society are the metric by by which the head of state is is chosen. Which you know, um, if you look at America, it's 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 chaotic. Well, I mean, I, I know we we've talked about these points to death regarding the uh, republics, but um. Like the republics or republicans can complain that the royal family is flooded with wealth. When you look across the the pond, a billionaire was president for four years, and if he didn't get in, there would be a dynastic line of Clintons. Mm. So, and it, that's just the same thing through well for, throughout republics. It, it it just follows the money, but without the the sort of values and the moral grounding to guide it. And of course, that the monarchy's survival is predicated on the nation's survival. No monarchy has fallen in good times. Mm. It, it's always been revolutions brought about by war, by famine, mm. Mm. by turmoil. So yeah, bloodshed. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe perhaps with the the, the ever so slight exception of the Greeks. Um, but again, that was you know in the wake of war. Um, Rules and exceptions. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. sure. It, it 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 is the outlier, and and, and I saw quite an interesting post. Um, from a, a from a, a scouser, no less. Um, that showed uh, you know a, a, a homeless man uh, sat next to a, an image of the queen, saying you know um, it's, with worse the effect of you know British shouldn't have a monarchy while you know this happens in this country. Where, where, you know because didn't you know France and the USA have zero poverty? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't exist there. Um, it's yeah. It's I mean. I think that's all kind of died down, though. In the in the immediate aftermath, there was a lot of very flagrant disrespect. Um, I mean, um, I think Mary, you want to address um, the actions of certain uh, football fans? Well, I understand uh, Celtic um, had some sort of major protest, but I didn't actually see. I saw the reaction of James Whale, who was speaking on talk radio. Um, who was talking about this um, overt protest where they were they were chanting uh, slogans against the monarchy, monarchy and against the Queen. And they also believe, correct me if I'm wrong, 
that um, there was a game at Anfield in which the silence was interrupted by fans or wasn't observed. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, and then you've seen, you've seen booze in Glasgow and hecklers and in Cardiff too, I believe it was in Cardiff. Um, so that's an interesting observation in and of itself to identify who are the people heckling and um you know and and where they come from their position their their their, their where they're located culturally and all that sort of thing mm. well yes and, and, and you know Celtic obviously um known for being locked in almost, almost like a sort of sectarian derby with rangers and you you can contrast to quite well where you know um Celtic fans display banners saying you know f the queen and and um one said, uh, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss, Michael Fagan, who was the man who broke into the Queen's bedroom um, some some time ago. Whereas, you know, Rangers, um, I believe they even took on a fine so that they could flout the UEFA's ban on the national anthem and any sort of, you know, um, national iconography with a very touching TIFO throughout the throughout mm. the, their, their stand of, you know, of, the, of the Queen's profile and um the union flag and and god save the, god save the uh i don't know if they, i don't know if they sound queen or king but um i mean they went on to, to to lose the game quite resoundingly but um it was still quite 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 a warm um thing and, and, and there's another thing there with where, where i think football missed the mark here where with the exception of european games premier league games were called off um i mean granted games in london couldn't have gone ahead this weekend as you know a lot of police presence is being re-diverted but they they missed, they missed the chance to um you know, have quite warm moments throughout the grounds I mean, with, with some exceptions because you know uh liverpool fans um didn't honor the, the silence or a, a lot of them didn't and that's sort of liverpool's the, the reasoning that they give, which is why they boo the national anthem, not just of the Queen's passing, but FA Cup finals, for instance, is that they say, oh, we're protesting against the establishment. But of course, everyone knows it's not true, because in some areas of this country, Liverpool, uh, the green end of Glasgow, there are deeply held Republican sentiments that have been passed down for generations, which, when put into a sporting arena, clash. And I mean, before, um, I mean, we talk about the divide between Glasgow, between um, Celtic and Rangers, but Liverpool was not, not viciously so, but still divided between Liverpool FC, which was, of course, the, the Catholic team migrate mainly from Ireland, and Everton, who were the, the Protestants. Now, my um, grandparents uh, lived in Liverpool in the, uh, the 1960s when it was still a big shipping port. And um, she said, well, every year, my grandmother says to me, every year without fail, they would go on their sectarian marches. The Protestants would go on their Orange March every year, 12th of July, without fail. And the, the Catholics would do the same for their festivals. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what you essentially have in some pockets of the nation. You, you of course, what I've also been interested in is looking at the, the reception place on other sort of immigrant communities. Now, I know um, we pointed it out in our, our own private chat yesterday of a mosque in central London uh, singing God, God Save the King. Now, I'm not sure how monarchies fit into the Islamic doctrine, but 
many outside outside of the mosque were not happy about it. So you, you do have nowadays an inevitable culture clash of issues, not just yeah, it, everything. It's not surprising, and we shouldn't expect them to be happy about it. I mean, you know, Liverpool is sometimes called the real capital of Ireland, you know, for a reason. Why would you expect um, those people to have the same view as uh, Anglo-Saxon people towards the Anglo-Saxon monarch, or indeed um, Muslims or other people on the Celtic fringe or anybody else. Um, so it's not surprising. The only thing that's surprising is that some people are surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I suppose that then it begs the question of, you know, um, how, to what extent do you tolerate such behavior? Um, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, do you, do you allow diaspora groups living in this country to, you know, behave as such a way towards uh, recently deceased sovereign. Um, it it didn't it didn't sit well with me at all. Well, you can't dis <clears throat> you can't disallow them from doing so. I mean, just practically, <clears throat> individual and minor expressions of um, I almost used the word resistance opposition um, have been smashed actually by by the police. Um, they've either been um, so minor they can be easily ignored like a single comment which can be moved on from, or in the case of somebody sh persistently shouting, those people have been dragged down, they've been smashed, they've been carried off in a van. Um, when you've got all of Anfield, you know, uh, uh, or even a large section of Anfield chanting something, you can't, you can't shut that down. And I don't think you'd necessarily gain anything by doing so uh anyway but there's a lot to consider there it's not it's not a a, a simple question yeah the, the the police sort of uh, arresting um people with signs saying not my king it's just it will just pour fuel onto a burning fire yeah which, which sort of it's, it's, it sort of tells me that the kind of damage has already been done there then where mm -hmm. if you if your choices are either tolerate that kind of you know flagrant disrespect or just fuel more of it then the fight's already been lost. Mm. You have, by that point, you have a rather effective fifth column who you know, can speak out. And, you know, and, and there are protections that are sort of one way where, you know, um, you say, you know, you, you said, Mario, you know, it's not, it, it isn't practical. Well, it, it seems practical to, you know, it seems practical to shut down anyone who questions, you know, the vaccine or any sort of COVID narrative. It seems, question, it seems you know, possible to, use the police to arrest and harass people who you know question trans politics um so the the ability is there what isn't there is the, is the political will to use those same means to um defend to, to instead of defending you know um you know perceived outsiders in society it's used to defend um well, well look here's the thing all these groups have been invited into this country on the basis that they're going to be as equal as any other British citizen and that cultural or other background doesn't come into it and therefore they can import with them their own views, their own understanding of life and their own and their own positions on these issues. And that's what not only they were promised, but what was what was delivered and 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 what has manifested over time. What you can't then do is sort of 200 years later, you know, with, with the Irish or whoever, 
say, we're now going to enforce our culture on you. You, For example, think of it this way. Um, think of all the British or other Western expats who go to various Emirates in the Middle East, okay, to work. Do any of them support the Saudi royal family? Do any of them support the Emirates and the sheikhs? Obviously not, and you wouldn't expect any of them. Sure, to. But, 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 they, but here's the thing: they don't give them the vote. They don't give them the vote. They don't give them any. Right, but, but, but say you know, could could you you know say if you were if you were an expat in Saudi Arabia, and um, the the crown prince died and you heckled his procession, you know, you think a, a, a lot more a lot more than just being dragged away from the scene would have, would have gone down. Yeah, you'd be beheaded, but that's the basis on which they have contracted with the expats, which is a different basis uh, to which we have contracted with immigrant populations into the United Kingdom, who were never told those kinds of things, mm -hmm. who were always told they could bring their views, or indeed, you know, not just their views, but their customs, like the ability to carry a, a dagger if you're a Sikh or not wear a crash helmet, for example, all kinds of exceptions that were made right from the very beginning. So yeah. it's 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 beyond the point of enforcement, morally or practically. Mm. Yeah, yeah. With, with, um, you're right, you're right. So that, that, that's the, uh, I mean, whether it was it was by design or not, that was where um, the, the nation severely hampered itself for, for generations to come as um, within Saudi Arabia, if you want to become a citizen, regardless of where you come from you have to convert to islam that, that is non-negotiable and uh, but in the west which has had open borders i mean for much longer than since 2015 and of course the studies have shown that um that there's integration if you import enough of them is largely a myth because they can set up camp in their own community you look at any city throughout this um this land and there's a place where the Pakistanis live. There's a place where the Caribbean live. There's a place where the Muslims live. There's a place where the Sikhs live. So you essentially have a land that's divided against itself. And uh, I mean, I'm not sure how we deal with how we deal with that, how we fix this integration integration crisis. But yeah, I think it, you're correct, Mario. It's um, if we were to actually repress it, it's sort of a violation of the contract that you know, was signed by this nation generations ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> damned if we do, damned if we don't. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, let's let's move along there to to um, Charles himself. Because I mean, we 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 discussed Charles uh, in private since his ascension to to the throne. Um, I think a lot of people on our end have have kind of uh, a healthy mixture of views on Charles. Where on one hand, he is someone who um, clearly holds at the very least, an aesthetically conservative view of the world. Um, his views on architecture and farming and, and art and high culture seem to be kind of on 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 board relatively with 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 where people in our camp are at. Um, there are questions asked of his associations to certain um, bodies. Um, however, I, I think I think that would sort of generally go away. I think Charles is someone who seems to instinctively have that kind of reverence and respect for the office that he holds now and and, and with that the requirement of neutrality yeah, but at the um the, the same time there is also 
dogma in places, particularly faith, because it, it is an Anglican monarchy and Charles's faith is Anglican now being the head of the Anglican church. He made this explicit in his um, speech. Where, that's where he derives his faith and purpose from. Uh, when um, he was officially proclaimed king, he had to sign an um, ordinance to defend both the Church of Scotland and the Church of England. Those were the first signatures to be put to paper. And um, he, he cannot govern a strictly re religious nation. We're a post-Christian nation. But that's the manner he takes himself in personally. Mm. And that gives him a sort of unshakable bond with this office. I, I think because the cohort, which I referred to earlier, um, which was not that significant, but not insignificant either, had this preconception or perhaps just a conception of Charles as a liberal, essentially, um, of a sort of new Labour guy. It's been incumbent on him to make it clear and to, um, as you say, be the defender of the faith, not try and pull any sort of liberal uh, gimmick and say he's the protector of the faiths. He, he's had no room for manoeuvre uh, in terms of public goodwill other than to stick to the tradition um, in the ways that you've just described. So I almost think because he is a, a, a liberal character, although I've variously seen him described as post-liberal and um, uh, conservative and things like that, but he's not. He's clearly a, a liberal character in my view. Um, that... I, I, think, I think that's relevant, though, because I think, I, I, I think, you know, he, he's never made any sort of endorsement politically. Um, and again, you know, if he was a, if he was a, a true liberal character, then he wouldn't hold his, the views that he does on 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 the arts and, and architecture. You know, he would be fully in favour of you know tearing down all all the everything held by the National Trust and building condos there. You know, he well, he... look, there are liberal Democrats. You know, there are different shades of liberalism that you know they're not all nihilistic anarchists. There are there are some middle of the road types, but I don't think it's. I'm not saying it's relevant in the sense that it's going to impact our lives, but it's relevant in my commentary of his sort of aesthetic approach, which is which has been to embrace tradition, which is to me, it's a little bit like Keir Starmer has to go everywhere with eight union jacks. He has to because yeah. people doubt his credentials as a patriot and as a small C conservative. And the impression I had with Charles was very much the same, that because of those pre-existing doubts, he's had to come out really strongly uh, with, with that conservative traditional asset. Yeah, but, yeah, but I, I mean, there's, there's a difference between words and actions, right? I mean, Charles, if that was the case, then Charles would just, you know, be just someone who says these things. But Charles has actually physically done a lot. I mean, Charles is, is the benefactor of, of a town in, 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 in the southwest that is, you know, built entirely in traditional styles. You know, that seems to go far above and beyond someone who is just making appearances. Oh, no, I'm not saying he feigns an interest in uh, in the environment, in conservation, uh, or in architecture. I, I think it's it's clear that those are interests he has. I also think those are interests that are perfectly compatible with being a liberal. I, d I don't see that the two that the two clash. Okay, Luke? Yeah. Uh... Regarding the pre-existing conditions that Charles has had to sort of overcome, not just in the last week or so, but for decades, he was, of course, married to someone known as Princess Diana, 
who um, was just Meghan Markle before Meghan Markle, really. The more I read about her, the more I despise her. And um, of course, there are also, I think, what were they called? The, the spider letters. In He was physically writing to MPs when it was becoming, you know, a, a more Blairite liberal age where the monarchy should be even more purely symbolic. And so he's sort of, I mean, everyone's been talking, particularly that the commentariat about how the Queen oversaw a very changing nation. For good or for good or bad, she did. And Charles has sort of had been, been under that wing and been progressing through this time of change. And now um, he's just had to lay down, not lay down, but sort of lay down who he is. Because I don't think King Charles wears a mask. That, that won't be who he is. Hmm. Well, I mean, look, I, uh, I think we're almost talking about things that aren't particularly relevant here. Cause, I mean, again, I think regardless of, of his personal views, which are, you know, inevitable, you know, one can't go through life without holding views on things. I think, I think Charles, as the king, or as the lead of a traditional institution, probably the most traditional institution that there is, or the only one left, kind of, he almost, in a way, he can't be there without holding tradition to be to be at least at least you know important. Um, but again, I think he would I think he would respect the post enough to not be an overt political figure. Um, from what I can see, the only one in the family who is no political figure is Harry, and and thanks to that, his popularity has taken a nosedive because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Charles will be someone who continues to his mother's work in, in, you know, in attempting at least to be a figure of unity in the country. Because again, you know, that's what separates a political head of state, i.e. a republic, from an apolitical head of state where the monarchy is, is a factor of unity. I mean, look at, look at the, I mean, yeah, sure, the lines have been a bit chaotic to, to, to see the, clean, the queen laying in state, but I mean, the fact that that many people have come, you know, you know, probably from all, all different stripes, politically, uh, religiously, morally, and philosophically, that you know, it is still um, a massive factor of unity in the country, and you know, Charles seems to respect that still. Well, I, I've, you're obviously correct that Charles has a reverence for tradition. Um, he's wanted to be the king for all his life, so it couldn't be uh, anything other than so. Uh, and you can tell by the way he's treated his uh, subordinates and his juniors when his pen is leaked or some other inconvenience has occurred, that he's not somebody who shrinks away from the exertion of power uh, that he has earned on the basis of birthright. He will order his minions about to retrieve him new pens and throw a strop, and he's completely happy with with doing that. There's no there's no doubt that he embraces that birthright. the 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 question is is what he believes the function of that should be, and what kind of power um, should be exerted from that pulpit. That's that's the only question. And again, but in one sense, it's almost the answer isn't that important because the 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 um, amount of power you can exert from that position is is of course limited. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think we've we've sort of glossed over this point. He, he may be the king. He's not a ruler. Doesn't have any political sway. And I know the, the queen sort of 
mean, the Queen never influenced policy, but she tried to be involved as much as she could as the monarch does, you know, weekly meetings with the Prime Minister. The Queen read all the, uh, the passages of Parliament before she had to give a ceremonial stamp. And Charles, I think, can only be limited to the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would want to do more. He definitely does, as shown by his past. But as I say, he accepts the responsibilities of the new position. Yeah, and that's fair. Uh, something that I mentioned last week with Michael, where, you know, in in the wake of the Queen's passing, there, there will be a renewed discussion on the role of the monarchy in British society. Um that question seems to indicate that the only answer, the only options should be keep it the way it is or abolish it and become a, a you know, a, a, a republic. But I mean, one option for me at least has to be, and obviously this is, this is wishful thinking, but an expansion of mm. um, the monarchy's remit. You know, um, what, what, what I envision there would be essentially <clears throat> the monarch taking reign over, you know, Sort of uh, a political administration, for example, the monarchy being um, interested with, you know, uh, heritage uh, heritage conservation, that sort of thing, or you know, or or, um, or uh, national parks, or that sort of thing. Yeah, some sort of administration that actually gives renewed purpose to the monarchy without without it have without it being required to violate its, you know, its very useful approach of um, being politically neutral that's a good idea you should take it to the palace <laughs> I'll, I'll turn up i'll just, I'll just turn up and... he'll have to take it to parliament as well i'll start <laughs> a uh i'll start a petition get a hundred thousand signatures have it debated in parliament i think i think i think it'd be great but i mean i don't think it will happen no uh, as you say, I agree that that's where the, uh, the debate is constrained. We can't even figure out in, in the 21st century that um, some things in the past were worthwhile and did work. The thing about the monarchy, opposite to republics, is their long-term strategies. I wouldn't just give heritage management the monarchy. Uh, I would give probably taxation powers as well and spending authority because they'll never, they'll never blow over the budget. They'll never get trillions upon trillions in debt and create a ticking time bomb in our own civilization. Do we have time to mention that several Commonwealth countries are now talking about breaking away? Mm. Is that is that can we fit that? In general? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I, I think it's a very <clears throat> very little consequence. <clears throat> it doesn't really seem to bother me that much, you know. If 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 the Bahamas leave. Um, yeah, I just wonder what their motive for it is, other than other than spiritual self-determination. All they'll have to do is replace the queen who we pay for on their behalf with a president who they'll have to, you know, mm. there'll be any number of uh, pointless politicians springing up all, all across tiny islands that don't have any money as it is. I wouldn't be surprised. Their own palaces with their own Mercedes-Benz. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it was sort of almost like an olive branch to to the US. Yeah, yeah. sort of like a way of sort of you know um, giving up on the UK and then just sort of just running to the US for you know so swapping one Gibbs for another for another you know. They think they'll get a bigger aid donation. They might get a military base. They might yeah, get I mean, the, the their exports out and all yeah, that. Yeah, they get they get more brain drain. Um, I think for other nations, not not just the, the Thailand Islands still scattered around the world, but the big boys, Australia and New Zealand, uh, Australia in particular, they've just sworn in 
explicitly Republican politicians. Well, one of them even made the black power fist, despite being a, a typical liberal white woman. Two go hand in hand. And um, so I, I would be interesting to see what happens in those nations, because I know particularly in Canada, in the rural community, in Saskatchewan and Alberta, you, you, you would see more union flags over there than you do here. Hmm. So despite being across an ocean, there is some deeply held cultural ties. Um, yeah, I mean, Canada, Australia, New Zealand will hold on the longest and, you know, potentially for decades upon decades to come. Mm. But the reason for that goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of this conversation in relation to the people who support or oppose the monarchy, even within these borders. Um, yeah. It also applies externally as well, because Canadians, New Zealanders and Australians are in one sense or another effectively Anglo-Saxon. Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, not for long, but at the moment they're still, you know, diasporic nations. I mean, I think more so in Australia and New Zealand. Canada, no, not not anymore. Um, Canada's it is facing the same fate as as you know Europe and North America, where you know um, you have minority white by you know the end end of the century. Um, but I mean, Australia, New Zealand, yeah, perhaps. They're more diasporic. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see that happening. You know, I, there was some very touching footage coming out of out of Australia and New Zealand after the announcement. Um, you know, my my mum is currently in, in Australia, and um, yeah, she's she, she saying that you know it was actually quite touching to see um, the, the tributes being poured out. But yes, I mean um, to. To wrap things up, I think um, I'm I'm I am I am optimistic about uh, about Charles King. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I know you and I, Mara, have spoken before about um, sort of the aesthetic sort of faction of of conservative, traditional, reactionary, however you want to see it, worldview, uh, and and for, for me, it it is very important. I I don't think one can this without the other so to have have a sovereign who is so passionate about that sort of thing um does excite me um and on the rest it it will you know time time will show time will tell <clears throat> yeah i mean everything's going to be fine you know it because it's the the office is so self-contained so regulated and so governed by hundreds and then thousands of years of tradition that it almost doesn't matter who uh, sits on the throne it doesn't matter who occupies that seat of power and although i'm not a massively fervent monarchist and although i don't particularly think i would get on with prince charles in a personal capacity that's really irrelevant and by the by because uh, continuity lives on the uh, duties are being discharged and all the rest of it everything's going to be fine in that sense mm -hmm. luke is everything going to be fine i mean the, the whatever we could picture happening under charles's reign the monarchy has been through far worse and has been threatened by far far greater threats than this i i, I mean we're a republic once for however many years that won't happen probably ever again <laughs> mm -hmm. so it's just we, we always seem to just look at the world in our own little narrow lens of how little many years we have lived and forget that in four billion years the sun will explode or something so that's the we, we overemphasize 
what the bad things that could happen. It's it's evolutionary biology, yes, but uh, we'll be fine. be fine. Get a calm head on your shoulders. We're good. Fine, England. England has survived worse, and it will survive this. Um, and on that uh, royal proclamation of um, optimism, uh, we will leave it there for another week, and we will return to you a week from today. Um, I've been Leslie Wicket. This has been Luke Perry and Mario Lagos. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Cheers.